Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. We are back here today with all three of our hosts. We are so happy to have JC back with us. We have missed you. And since we're still recording here in February, very end of February, and it is still Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, we're going to hop back into that topic a little bit. Uh, We're going to be talking about something that applies to more than just teen relationships, but it can also, um, it's very involved in our work with educating teens about healthy relationships. Today, we are talking about consent. What is consent? We're going to be going through all of that, and we're very excited to cover this topic. We definitely are. This is such an important conversation, right? Consent is one of the most important things, and it can be confusing in this context. So, you know, consent isn't a simple no means no or yes means yes, right? And nor should it be based on, you know, nonverbal cues. Consent has everything to do with communication, and we'll be discussing that today. Yeah. Free mentioned, we work with youth and that's, you know, primarily where we're having these conversations and it's not, not important for adults, right? Consent is vitally important for everyone. But when it comes to working with youth, a lot of the time we kind of have heard a lot of stories or figured out that in many cases that involve uh, perhaps sexual violence with young people, or maybe, you know, things going too far, right? In a relationship, a lot of the reasons why this is happening in youth relationships is because there's such a a misunderstanding of consent or how to get consent. And so, yeah, we always are trying to find ways to communicate this and educate on this because it is such an important thing to consider uh, to really maintain safety in a relationship. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about why is consent important and when should it be used? So it's vitally important in all situations um, that involve any sort of sexual contact and should be used every single time. So uh, from actually an organization called 1124, uh, we're going to put the link to that website in our notes here. The founder of that organization, her name is Tanji, and uh, she had this great explanation of the five types of sexual violence. And so I'm going to go through those because they're, when these acts of violence happen, each one means that it's missing consent because it's happening. So the five types we're going to go through, sexual harassment, molestation, statutory rape, date rape, and then rape. So the first one, sexual harassment, we commonly hear this brought up in workplace settings or maybe in schools. Um, And that is, you know, when someone may be verbally saying things, they are doing things that are unwanted from that other person, again, without that consent, um, can include some touching, doesn't always include the touching. And then we move on to molestation. And that is where there is some touching involved. Again, unwanted, no consent there. Statutory rape, that's when there's a significant age difference in between the perpetrator and the victim, which I will talk about uh, in a little bit more detail a little bit later on. Um, but that might be, there's some situations where maybe the people in that situation think that they're consenting to that, but because of their age differences, they are not able to consent to that act. 
Date rape is one that we hear pretty commonly, you know, something that can happen if you're out on a date with somebody or meet up with somebody, someone you're maybe acquaintances with, and a rape results from that from that situation. Again, no consent there. And so that's something that happens. Um, and then rape. And so we're familiar with that. That is obviously a sexual act that happens without consent. And we also wanted to include in here that attempted rape is also part of this. You know, it's not just there's this definition of rape and that has to happen in order for it to be a rape and in order for it to be serious. Not that at all. An attempted rape can absolutely hold the weight of a rape as well. And so we just wanted to really recognize that and talk about all those different types of uh, sexual contact that can be unwanted and every single one of those is missing consent where we needed consent. Uh, consent should be given by both people in the situation. So as we go through what consent means, we'll just keep that in mind. And it should be expected every single time with no assumptions of what happened in previous situations. So if something was okay the day before, both people agreed to it the day before, that does not mean that today that is okay with both people. That still needs to be something uh, that is checked in on. So we're going to go through a model today that was actually given to us from Planned Parenthood. By us, I mean the world. <laughs> they have provided the world with this wonderful model um, to talk about consent because it can be really difficult to talk about. You know, we always get questions about like, well, this feels like a gray line in consent. Like, was this this? Was this this? You know, super common questions for us to get. So this is a great model to go through because it's so easy to remember and um, it's just, yeah, easy to go through. So it's called Fry's. Right. I mean, I think about fries almost daily. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy to remember. And then hopefully each word that uh, makes up that acronym is easier to remember for you all as well. So fries obviously starts with F. And so our first letter is going to be freely given. So this means no pressure, no manipulation, no drugs, no alcohol involved. So this can be really easy to say, like, if any alcohol involved, just don't do it. That's the safest, right? It can be easy to say that. And yeah, that is the safest way to do it. But is that really realistic? Not so much. So another conversation that I was actually in a workshop by Tanji, the founder of 1124. I was in a workshop with her that she presented just this past week. It's perfect timing for this episode. <laughs> and she was talking about this subject and that you know, so many people want answers to this of, okay, well, we were both drinking and this happened. Where's the black and white line? And again, there's a lot of gray lines in this, and that's why we need this acronym to go through, because you kind of have to evaluate it piece by piece and take each situation as unique, because as much as we wish it could be a black and white line, it's really not. But one of the most important things to check in with, especially if there's alcohol or any kind of drug use involved in a sexual activity is still going on the freely given, making sure that you're in a headspace where you can consistently check in. 
And so if either person is in a headspace where they are unable to consistently check in with the other person, one person identifies that, hey, this person is no longer able to check in with me, you know, wherever that is lost, that's where our our line is crossed, um, that that is no longer going to be a safe act. And freely given can also be stated as voluntary, so free from pressure or coercion, completely their choice, and they're able to still check in on that choice. So thank you for that, Bree. So the next letter in the acronym FRIES is R, which stands for reversible, which means that any person can change their mind at any time. And so let me just repeat that again. A person can change their mind at any time, even if they have done it before, right? Or if something is starting to happen, they have the right to stop. So for example, if you've had sex with someone in the past, that does not give you permission to have sex with them again in the future, right? So it's important to get that consent every time, like Brianna mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I think sometimes that might be confusing. Um, And I don't know, there's been times where I've gone into classrooms, we've had, especially the discussion, not necessarily catered towards youth, but especially talking about people in married relationships, right? I feel like there's mm-hmm. been a lot of questions, you know, well, how can, well, do you need consent in a, in a marriage or really in this relationship? Aren't you consenting just being in the relationship with that person and, and choosing for them to be your romantic partner? Uh, no, <laughs> I nope. wish, you know, that was that easy. Again, we, we wish all of this stuff was really as simple as black and white because we probably wouldn't have to do the work we did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd probably be a lot easier to navigate and not get ourselves maybe, you know, in these situations, right? Or kind of cross someone's boundaries without meaning to. And so, yeah, it's just really important to kind of keep that in mind that even in a committed relationship that, and I mean, just think about it, right? I'm sure we've all been in a place where, you know, maybe our partner has approached us and not necessarily for just sex, right? Maybe even for just physical affection or snuggling, right? And maybe we've just like, you know, we love them and, you know, we normally snuggle on the couch or whatever, but maybe I had a bad day or like, I'm not feeling good or we had a fight. Right. And I'm just like, not in the mood to like snuggle with you right now. Right. And so just thinking about it on that kind of a level. Yeah. We are going to hope, right. That we're always getting and giving consent with our partner because it's super important. Mm -hmm. And so to move on next letter in fries. And I will say that, yeah, the more we say fries, the more I'm like, wow, I really want some fries. And Why I, are we doing this day, at lunchtime? <laughs> I don't know. And the next time I eat fries, I think I'm going to have all this in mind. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully our listeners. As everyone too. should. Right. I'm like, so yeah, hopefully that will carry on to the listeners. Uh, so the I in fries stands for informed. So this means there has to be a full understanding of what this individual is consenting to. So an example of that, let's say I agree to have sex with my partner because they agree to wear a condom, right? And use protection. If afterwards I find out that they did not use protection, then that consent was pretty much breached when that information was left out or when I was not given the full picture of what I was consenting to. And so that's really important to keep in mind as well, right? We can't trick someone. I think that seems pretty obvious, right? That that probably be a bad thing to trick someone into doing that. But yeah, we definitely don't want to manipulate someone to get into that situation. And just 
quickly before we move on to our next letter. We chatted a little bit before talking about freely given and saying that, you know, this is voluntary. It's free from pressure or coercion. And I think it's just important to bring up that sometimes pressure and coercion doesn't necessarily sound or feel aggressive. I think sometimes that's what people are looking for or that's what they imagine might happen or what this might look or sound like is that maybe someone is, you know, kind of saying do this or else. Uh, yeah, that could be a case, but more often than not, and I think especially in younger relationships, that manipulation or coercion sounds a lot different. Sometimes mm -hmm. it sounds more like, oh, come on, like what? I thought you thought I was super cute. What? I Well, I thought you loved me. Don't you love me? If you love me, you would do this with me. What? Everyone else? Come on. We're the only couple in you know, our class that's not doing this. And you know, everyone else is. It's not a big deal. So it really sometimes sounds more manipulative, right? That it is uh, aggressive. And I think especially putting that out there for youth, because a lot of the times, you know, things with relationships, consent, initiating romantic relationships, so much of the information that's out there is misleading. And so I think debunking that, right? That that's not normal mm -hmm. behavior to kind of pr uh, push your partner in that way, right? And kind of peer pressure them into doing mm -hmm. that with you. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Lisa. It made me think of, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing this, that I was actually sexually assaulted when I was a teenager, but I didn't recognize it as that until I was probably in my early to mid-20s because I thought that rape had to be like someone coming out of the bushes, there's, you know, some kind of injury that happens, there's yelling, there's this whole event, you know, and it was not like that, but right. it was the lack of consent and the presence of pressure and coercion. And so it took me that many years, you know, probably six, seven, eight years to learn that and to realize that and to really like put a name to that and be able to heal from that. But that's something that is not commonly talked about. So I'm so glad that we're bringing that up today. Mm -hmm. So our E in fries is for enthusiastic. So when it comes to sexual activities, you should only be engaging in the things that you want to do, nothing that you feel obligated to do. Again, kind of touching on that pressure and coercion piece. Um, and going back to examples where substances might be involved, uh, maybe someone, maybe the partner is recognizing, okay, this person has a choice to make in this situation, you know, we're checking in with each other and they have a choice, but perhaps substances are introduced there so that that other person is making the choice that the partner wants them to make. Does that make sense? So if we have one person who is recognizing that you have a choice, but I'm going to maybe make sure you get a few drinks in you so that you make the choice I'm wanting you to make. You know, that's not really going along our lines of enthusiastic because if that person wasn't wanting to engage in that in a sober mind state and then add what have you, three drinks or whatever, and then they're feeling more enthusiastic about it, you have to take that into play and you have to think of where their mind was when they were able to check in with themselves a little bit better and without those substances being involved. So it's not truly enthusiastic on their end with those involved substances. And a quick mention too, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this before, I'm sure we will in upcoming episodes, but alcohol is actually our number one date rape drug. And I think that surprises a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, I mean, I don't know if everyone 
our listeners are super familiar with all the available date rape drugs out there. It might not be, and that's totally fine. Uh, I think most individuals think roofies, right, or rufalin when we just hear the term date rape drug. And mm-hmm. when we educate, especially youth, when we educate anyone on this, they're really surprised to hear that it's actually alcohol. That's the number one date rape drug. And why? Because it's readily available. It's mm-hmm. cheap. Most of the time it's self-administered, but if it's not, right, me just drinking myself and getting into a state where someone can kind of watch, right, and determine at a point where, ooh, maybe I'm not, you know, kind of able uh, to make those clear choices anymore. I can also, yeah, kind of feed my partner alcohol, right? And that looks and feels a lot different than possibly, you know, uh, dropping a tab in someone's drink and dosing them out, right? Because this is a lot more normal, right, just drinking. Mm -hmm. And so- yeah, I, I think it's really important, um, you know, to add in that that alcohol piece and really discuss that for that reason. Absolutely. Yeah. And that can definitely happen to anyone, right? Any age uh, population. So thank yep. you for that, Lisa. And so for our last letter in the acronym FRIES is S, which stands for specific, right? And it's really important to get specific consent, Right. Um, Very often people think that just asking one time for consent is enough. And no, consent's a continuum. Right. And so saying yes to one thing doesn't mean you've said yes to other things or everything. So, for example, you know, um, agreeing or giving consent to make out does not mean that you are giving consent to having sex, right? And so it's a continuum. So you have to constantly check in with the other person and make sure that they're consenting every step of the way. Absolutely. So uh, to review our FRIES acronym, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep making us all hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So we have F, freely given, R, reversible, I, informed, E, enthusiastic, and S, specific. So pretty short, easy words to remember Uh, We hope that you absolutely take that, put it in your back pocket or to remember that uh, when situations like that come up where maybe there's those gray lines, those conversations about gray lines. We should have been eating fries the whole time. Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. (laughs) Why didn't we think of that earlier and make some fries for this episode? Right. We each like hold up a basket of fries like this is what we're talking about today. So I wanted to chat about something as far as age of legal consent. Um, I grew up in the state of Nevada, and then I work in the state of California. And actually, all of us being where we work in California, it's very close to the state line of Nevada. So we all deal with this, the different laws that occur or that exist in California and Nevada. And there's just this interesting tidbit about the ages of consent that I just wanted to talk about. I don't know where our listeners are from, but it's so important to look up the age of legal consent in your area because maybe a very nearby neighboring state has a different one and that presents all sorts of different fun challenges for us in our work. So the age of legal consent in Nevada is 16. The age of legal consent in California is 18. So that means technically, if you are a 17 year old teenager who's living in California, but you decide to go over into Nevada, and that's where you engage in your sexual act is in Nevada, you, although you're a California resident, are technically within your legal bounds 
to be engaging in that act in Nevada, given that the other person you're engaging with is also um, above that age of consent. But we run into that because I think some people could assume that the law applies from for wherever you're from, but that's not mm-hmm. true with the age of consent and also with sexual assaults. It's wherever it happened mm-hmm. is where the laws apply. So we also have cases, just as another note, that the person lives in California, but it happened in Nevada. And so it's technically the Nevada legal system that picks up that case. So that can be kind of confusing. And that's why it's so important to look that up because, I mean, and we get this question too, like technically can two 17 year olds who are following the Fry's model and consenting, can they technically engage in a sexual act in California? Technically, do they all the time? We know that absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We know. Is it technically against the law? Yeah. So it's a very interesting thing to look into. And I'm not an expert on the law and, you know, filing cases on that. And that goes into like we were talking about the statutory rape. Mm -hmm. You know, Nevada and California both have their laws where it's like if if the perpetrator is more than four years older, it's this kind of charge. And there's all these sorts of uh, differentiations with that that we don't need to go into. But just such an interesting tidbit that you can literally be like 50 feet away, you know, one state line, another state line, one thing's legal and one thing's not as we talk about this topic. I think it's also really cool. Uh, I remember one time in it was in one of my ninth grade classes. We were talking about the age of consent. Uh, Cause of course, again, we teach in California, but we mentioned the age of consent for Nevada. So we had this discussion and it kind of prompted us. Uh, some of my students were like, how about the ages in other States? Or how about like in other places? And I'll say in Pennsylvania where I grew up, the age of consent was also 16. So we in that class brought up a map of the U S and I'll say throughout the United States, it varies pretty much from 16 to 18. Uh, but all over the world, there's a lot of different ages of, consent. And it's actually just really interesting. So I encourage listeners, maybe I'll link it uh, below if I could find a simple search to link, or I encourage you to kind of just check that out. But uh, I remember some places in the world, uh, age of consent was as young as 12 in certain Mm. countries and certain regions. So yeah, it's actually just really interesting to look Mm -hmm. at. So I just wanted to put that out there too for our listeners. Thank you, Lisa. You know, I wish I could have learned this in high school. (laughs) It definitely would have been so important for me, you know, and I don't even think my parents were ever educated also. So they are not so familiar with some of the content that we're going over. And I just think this is so critical, you know, just not just for any teenager, but also any parents. So hopefully you're all listening in. Um, But with that being said, I just want to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that, you know, we should go over also what is not consent. And what is not consent is when someone is making you feel like you owe them, right? And I actually want to share a personal story. Um, When I was dating, I had this guy take me to a really nice dinner, right? Really fancy, um, three course, you know, and when the bill came and I saw the price, I felt so bad and I wanted to like give him half or at least be like, oh, let me, you know, let me help you pay. And he was like, no, 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 you know, seemed like a total gentleman. Uh, Everything was going perfect. And then at the end of the night, he made it very clear to me that he was expecting me to um, 
give him something in return, right? And it was pretty much sex. And yeah. so when I made him aware that I was not comfortable, he was completely pressuring me and making me feel like I owed him, you know, and he made me aware, well, I spent over $200 on our dinner and trying to make me feel guilty. And I was just so shocked. I was like, excuse me, you know, and this is me in my early 20s. So I just, we mm -hmm. know that this happens, you know, and it happens to teenagers and it happens to, you know, many other people. And so, you know, that is not consent, you know, no one should make you mm -hmm. feel pressured or make you feel like you owe them, right? Or no one should make you feel like you are, you know, you owe them because you've been dating them for a while or make you feel guilty for not having sex with them or not doing what they want you to do sexually, right? Also, um, consent is not when they ignore your indications, whether they're nonverbal, right? Maybe you're pushing them um, or maybe it is verbal and you're telling them, stop, I don't like this or I don't feel comfortable, right? Or I don't want to do this. Um, or, you know, saying yes or not saying no while you're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, right? Again, we just talked about that and how important that is. And so mm -hmm. we know that that's not what consent means. And so it's so important for us to keep that in mind as well. I think, and thank you, JC, for sharing that story and Brianna, for you sharing your story uh, earlier. And I think about, you know, I can draw on several experiences in my life, right, where situations like this occurred. I just think about how many of our listeners perhaps out there are listening and maybe kind of having that aha mm -hmm. moment of, oh, wow, yeah, the, that's that's happened to me maybe several times. Or yeah, like this and that, both these kind of situations mm -hmm. have happened to me before. And yeah, at the time, I didn't think anything of it, or I didn't know I could say no, or I right. didn't know it was a big deal. And that's why this is so important. Uh, and again, why we really were excited to do this episode and just really wanted to hold this conversation because there is just so much misinformation. And I think the biggest issue as well, and I just did a presentation for uh, all, our alternative high school yesterday. And part of our conversation was consent and boundaries, ironically, perfect timing for this episode <laughs> as well. And uh, one of our conversations was just talking about, you know, the importance of understanding consent, because I said to them, I know that none of you when you are entering into a romantic relationship or figuring out, you know, what does healthy hooking up look like? I know none of you are going to come to like a trusted adult and say like, Hey, you know, how do I hook up in a healthy way? What does that look like? Right? No, we know no one is doing that. And so teenagers, especially, right. Cause we know consent is so important for everyone, especially those older populations we kind of just spoke about, right. That maybe didn't have this education as well, but especially for youth, they're just, they're given so much misinformation and then they're left to figure it all out by themselves because they don't have these conversations or people are too uncomfortable to talk about this stuff with them. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the time, just even introducing our acronym as simple as it was mm -hmm. can really maybe be a huge aha moment for a lot of listeners out there today. And I hope it is. And one last resource that we want to mention that we encourage all of our listeners to check out to have a deeper understanding of consent. And it's actually done in a very humorous way as well. Uh, so there's a video. We show this for our high school students. And I will say that even it's a favorite among us in the room right now, uh, but this is a favorite. All the teachers in the classes I show this to, all of the students I've showed this to love this video. And essentially what it is, it was created by a sexual assault survivor 
her specific assaults that occurred were all, uh, like Brianna mentioned before, just issues that centered around not getting consent. And they thought, why is this so difficult, mm -hmm. right? Why is getting consent or understanding what it looks like so challenging and thought about, well, yeah, probably because a lot of teenagers aren't asking and, you know, it's just really uncomfortable for people to talk about. So she thought, what if I make a cartoon and it's not about sex and consent, but it's about an everyday thing and consent. What if it's about just drinking tea and getting consent for that? So she, I'm not going to ruin any of the surprises or, you know, try to detail the, the video here. Uh, but she does it's such a fantastic job just giving you such great everyday examples mm -hmm. of consent, um, kind of showing you, right, how absolutely important it is and how absolutely just, I don't want to say crazy, like kind of wild it would be, right, to do some of the stuff without getting consent. And then at the end, it's kind of like, yeah, just now apply this to sex, right? It's the same thing we're talking about. And so, again, I encourage you all to go watch that and check it out and see how funny and how relatable and how educational and wonderful it is. So that will be linked below. And, yeah, we really encourage you to check that out. But we really just want to thank our listeners, especially because, again, just having this conversation, we really believe is a huge part of the battle. You're definitely going to make some space now and meditate. So our lovely JC that's back with us today is going to lead us in a meditation. So let's go ahead and begin by having you find a comfortable position. Go ahead and close your eyes if you feel comfortable to do so. Begin by becoming aware of how your body feels. Go ahead and take a deep breath in and hold it. And as you exhale, let your body begin to relax. Imagine that you are breathing in re relaxation. Go ahead and breathe out through your mouth, forcefully blowing out the air. Go ahead and breathe in again. And exhale as if you are blowing out a candle blowing away any tension your body has. Breathe slowly and gently. Go ahead and continue to take some calm breaths as you focus on relaxing your body. Try to notice how each area of your body is feeling relaxed. And relax your body as you hear the word relax. With each breath in, say in your mind, breathe. With each breath out, mentally say, relax. With each breath, repeat, breathe. When you exhale, Say to yourself, relax, breathe, relax, breathe, relax, breathe, relax, breathe, relax. Go ahead and observe this feeling of relaxation. Notice how calm you are. 
Notice how your breathing is slow and regular. Go ahead and take a deep breath in and hold it. Then exhale. Take another deep breath in and hold it. And exhale. Let your body and mind reawaken. Go ahead and roll your shoulders forward and backwards. Move your neck around. Slowly open your eyes. I hope you were able to relax for a little bit of time. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that, JC. Nice relaxing. Oh, we love that part of the day. So Absolutely. I know. That's like my favorite. <laughs> we encourage everyone to first things first, go and get your now craving of French fries. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. And as you eat each one, think about freely given, reversible, mm -hmm. informed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. We thank you so much for joining our conversation today. Uh, we can't wait to chat with you the next time. And thank you so much for having these courageous conversations.